um, man, excited to, to, to preach today. Um, Jamaica did such a great job last week, man. It was so good. And I love this thought that we have complicated our faith. And so um, this sermon today uh, hopefully doesn't make things more complicated. Uh, and if it does, I'll just have Jamaica do next week and she will uncomplicate what I complicate today. This is just, this is great, you know. Because I was so convicted, I, I, I can compli- uh, complicate things sometimes, and just the simplicity of our faith is so awesome. And so I'm going to read to you a passage of Scripture, and what I want to talk to you about today, I don't have a fancy title, my title today is Old School. It's just simply, Our God is Able. Come on. Our God is Able. I'm going to read Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21, and, and it says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. You want to talk about a verse to build your faith. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all you can ask or think according to the power that is at work in you. That makes you have some faith, doesn't it? It reminds me of where my faith used to be. I was so impacted by Jamaica's message, and she was telling a story on how she got free tickets to Maroon 5 uh, in both New York and L.A. How awesome is that? And how young she was. And I remember that story, her telling that story in the youth ministry. I think she was 15 or 16 years old. And it started to remind me of some of the stories I had when I first came to God. Remember when you first came to God? God did crazy stuff. Like, it's almost like he was intentionally trying to get your attention. Like, you would lose your, your $100, and then you'd find $100 on a hiking trail. Like, like a butterfly would land on your shoulder and you're like, is this you, Lord? You know, somebody, just a horse, random pony, just running down Venturi. Like, God, that's you. Just, you see all these crazy things happening uh, when you first came to, to God. I remember one time uh, I was uh, in a recording studio writing a song uh, for this artist and she, she would always bring her boyfriend to the recording studio and neither one of them had a relationship with God and they knew that I had a relationship with God. And it was kind of like cool because they didn't, I did, and they did them and I did me. And it was, they would do wild stuff and I would just do me and just chill. And, and I remember one time we, we wrote some great songs together. And one time I came to the recording studio and she was weeping. The artist was a girl and she was weeping. When I mean she was sobbing, I'm like, what happened? She was like, I lost my dog. I lost my dog. My dog is gone. It's been gone for three days. And she's sobbing. And I'm not a dog person. <laughs> like, I, like, when people, like, put their dogs in strollers and they're their dog's mommy, and, like, I just, like, I'll, I'll have a dog one day, but I'll never be my dog's dad. No judgment, <laughs> but I'll just never be my dog's dad. She was this type of person where she was her dog's mother. Like, she was distraught. So I'm trying to connect. I'm like, ah, this is kind of, we tied dogs up to a tree in my neighborhood. Like, <laughs> like, it wasn't great. Like, San Bernardino dogs had it rough. Like, rough, real rough. So I'm trying to connect, and she's sobbing, and I'm connecting to her emotions. And then she drops a doozy on me. She says, well, you're a pastor. You believe in God. Pray for my dog to come back. I'm not making this up. 
And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, it don't work like that. No, she said, you told me about your faith. Pray for my dog to come back. You remember how much faith you said you had? If you have so much faith, pray for my dog to come back. And she was getting elevated. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Like, Lord, do you care about dogs like that? Are you the dog's dad? Like, is, is it our fault? Do all dogs go to heaven? Like, I don't, my theology on dogs is like, and she was like, no, you need to pray. And she challenged me. I cannot believe you're not going to pray. It got weird and it got awkward. So I said, give me a second. I stepped outside. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, go in there and tell them the dog's coming back. That's what I felt in my spirit. I said, Lord, the dog's been gone four days. I don't know how they do dogs where we at, but where I grew up, once the dog is gone, the dog is gone. Are you trying to tell me that I need to go tell her? And the Holy Spirit was like, go in there and tell her right now the dog is coming back. I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Lord, if I go in there and say the dog is coming back, do you realize when the dog doesn't come back, it doesn't just make me look bad, it makes you look bad. And that's what I was saying in my prayer. Go in there right now and tell them the dog is coming back. Okay, Jesus. Went into the studio. She said, did you pray? I said, yeah. God said the dog's coming back. And her boyfriend went, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, dude, come on, man. You don't give her false hope just because you have faith. Like, we're trying to process, and it's getting heated, and it's getting crazy, and she's crying, and he's like, bro, really? And next thing you know, brrr, she picks up the phone. Hello? You found my dog? I'm not making this up. I am not making this up. You found my dog? And they're looking at me, and I'm looking at the phone. And she's like, get in the car, let's go. We jump in her Yukon. We pick up the dog. We're driving back. She calls her mother with her boyfriend in the car, and her boyfriend's looking at me like, I cannot believe this. That, how does this happen, bro? You got to tell me. How does that? How did you do that? And she calls her mom. She says, Mom, I'm with this guy. He believes in Jesus, and he prayed for the dog to come back, and the dog is back. And I hear mom on speaker, you got to be kidding me. And she says, so we're going to church on Sunday. Whatever is going on with him, like... They both come to church on Sunday. Wow. We're sitting, and this was years ago when I, I wasn't even on staff. I wasn't a pastor. Pastor Holly was preaching, and she's preaching a message, and I'm sitting next to the boyfriend and next to the girlfriend, and they're just fidgeting and doing all this stuff. Pastor Holly does an altar call, and then um, he doesn't raise his hand. And I was like, oh, that was weird. And Pastor Holly never does this during an altar call. She says, one of you lost your mom to cancer, and you actually prayed for your mom to live, and she didn't, and you promised yourself you would never put your faith in God again, and God wants to heal the pain of you losing your mom. He broke down. I didn't even know. His mother had passed away from cancer, and that's exactly what happened. He broke down, sobbed, raised his hand, and accepted the Lord. To this day, to this day, this man still follows Jesus. To this day, and the girl, him and the girl broke him. And to this day, this man still follows Jesus. I, I, I could tell, I could tell you fifty thousand stories of things that God did, and I understood at that time in my life and my faith. I really believed that God would do anything. 
I didn't just believe that he could, I believed that he would. And then I hit this wall in my faith where God stopped doing things like that, where I would pray for wild things to happen and they wouldn't. And then I started to think, is there something wrong? You ever like pray a prayer and God does something wild and then you step into a season like, God, did I miss something? Because my prayer life is just as strong as it ever was, and you're not doing the miracles. The dog is still gone when I prayed for the second dog, because sometimes we try to turn moments to ministry, and so we pray for dogs to come back, and then they don't come back, and we start to lose faith. And then I realize where my faith is tested is not when God is doing everything I pray for him to do. My faith is tested when I know God can, but I don't know if he will. In the beginning, I thought he just would. He's a good God, right? He's a good, good father, right? We say it twice. We say it twice for a reason, but sometimes God can, he's, he's able, but sometimes he just, he doesn't. We pray for someone to live and they don't. We pray to get the job and we don't. And God, when he's maturing your faith, He takes you from putting the faith in the fact that he will to the fact that he's able. God wants mature believers just to have faith that he can. Remember when we were little kids, we say, my daddy can beat up your daddy. (laughs) And we didn't want our dad to get in a fight. We just thought that our dad was strong. There's got to be a faith where we can go. God is able to save my marriage. God is able to heal. I'm not even there yet to if he will. My faith is encouraged that he's able. He just can. I serve a God who can do anything. I don't know if he's going to do it. I don't need to know. See, because what happens is I prayed every single day from March 11th, every single day for the coronavirus to be over. And God did not do it. He didn't do it. And I mean, my faith was high. I'll see you in church in two weeks. I prayed. It's over. It's over. And God was able. But he didn't. And so when your faith is being developed from transferring to God will to God can, you find hope and faith that your God is able. And immature faith means I lose faith if he doesn't. I, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were getting ready to be thrown into a fire, it says in, in, in the book of Daniel. I think it's Daniel 3, 4, one of those. Um, and they go, our God is able to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down to your God. They said, they said he's able. They didn't say, watch, you throw us in this fire, watch what God's going to do. He's going to come through and ain't nobody going to have not one burn. You ain't even going to, ain't nobody going to have a tan when God is done doing what we going to do. And we, we decree and declare, ain't nobody even skin going to get darker. We're going to come out light skin. Matter of fact, we're going to go in Wesley Snipes, come out Elder Barge in the name of Jesus. None of that. <laughs> That's really funny. None of that. No decree and declare, just our God is able. He might. But even if he doesn't, we're going to worship him anyway. We're going to worship him because he could do it. 
We might get burned up. We might die. But we're worshiping Jesus because he could do it. We don't even need him to do it. We're encouraged because he can. That is real faith. Throw us in. We're good because we know we can. There's a story in 1 Samuel where Jonathan and his armor bearer go into a battle and say, perhaps the Lord will rescue us. We don't know if he will. I think so many times we try to turn personal desires into prophecies. God hasn't spoken to us about that. And I'm starting to get like discouraged in my faith because I'm like, I'm not hearing from God. I thought you were going to do this and you didn't. And God is saying, why do people think they hear from God so accurately? Samuel, the prophet, slept in the presence of God and God spoke to Samuel. Samuel made a cot next to the Ark of the Covenant, next to the glory of the Lord. He slept in the presence of God. And when God called Samuel, he said, who is it? And his dad said, ask again. Lord said, who, who, huh? Sleeping in the presence of God. Three times. Samuel had to check three times if it was God and he was sleeping in the presence of God and we know for sure. I think the faith sometimes in this season is you got to find faith in the I don't know. I don't know if God's going to do that, but I know he can. And if he doesn't, he's got something greater going on that I can't see. I think we have faith when God says yes, but the, the church needs to have faith when God says no. Do you know if my kids got everything they asked me for, they would both be dead? I hope you understand that. Some of y'all are praying for a dream that's going to kill you if God gives it to you. That's going to kill you. You're not ready for that. I can give you a driver's license at 16, but if I give it to you at 10, I'm a bad dad. I give it to you at 16, I'm a good dad. Just six years earlier, I'm a terrible father. God, you want somebody, to, God, to give you something right now that is for you in six years. But if he gives it to you today, he's not good. He's not good. There's an anointing in the no. There's favor in the no. There's blessing in the no. Matter of fact, you don't have any faith if you can't hear no and be encouraged. God, thank you for what you gave me, but thank you for what you withheld from me. I wasn't ready for it. But I find faith in the fact that you are able. When I'm ready, you will do it. I want to read this verse to you again because I feel like preaching. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can all ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. The issue is not God will. The issue is, are we ready? God's power needs to be at work in us in order to sustain the blessing he's trying to give us. Do you get what I'm saying? The the power of God needs to be manifesting in in your life. And here's the thing. If you can just find faith in this scene, this is going to be really hard. If you can just find faith in the fact that God is able, don't, don't worry about if he will. Just find faith that he can. Just find faith that he can. He can do it. If God solved our number one problem, which is sin, the Bible says if If he freely gave us Christ himself, won't he with him freely give us all things? 
all things you desire are, are coming out of your relationship with Jesus. This is so important. Do you know how many things the Bible says God is able to do? I mean, right here it says far more abundantly than you can ask, imagine, or think. But there's a couple of things that the Bible says God is able to do. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Why are we always worried about how useful we are or, or where our place is? It says that God is able to make all grace abound to you. So having sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able. It's not your ability. It's his ability. And everything that God has called you to do before you do it, grace has to be abounding in your life. That's why it says when sin abounds, grace abounds. God puts grace on top of grace on top of grace because he knows that he's called you to something, but you need grace. You, you got a dream and you're still hard on yourself? God said you need grace to achieve that dream. You sitting here beating yourself up? The, de the devil went on vacation because you beat yourself up. The devil is in Cancun right now. It's like winter to him, like just chilling because you self-destruct enough on your own with negative thinking. And God says, I know you don't know what you're doing. I know you're not enough. I know you're a failure. My solution is not making you better. My solution is grace abounding in your life. Paul said, I work harder than all of y'all. Oh, not I, but the grace in me is doing the work. So even when you're putting in the work, you're not putting in the work. It's the Holy Spirit. Like, come on, man. We're trying to raise up our credit score in the kingdom. It's like, God, you run my credit. It's going to be an 800. No, the Bible says I, I'm going to put your credit score on the back of a basketball jersey. You, you're terrible. You're awful. I love you. You're not good. You're not dope. I am. I live in you. Let it go. You're just a vessel. Stop. Stop. Right? Who, who like, who, when somebody gives you a pair of shoes, like, it, it comes in a box. The point is not the box. The point is the shoes. I don't even know what happened to the box that I got these shoes in. You're just the box for the Holy Ghost. That's it. It's not a big deal. If you just be a vessel, God's like, I, I want to go there. I'm going to do that thing. I'm just going through you. This is not about what you can do. I got to get you ready. I got to get you ready. This is so important. Let me tell you what something else God is able to do. Daniel 4 verse 37 says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. He's able. He's able to humble the proud. I'm telling you, man, God busts me upside my head with a brick when I was prideful. <laughs> I, tell, I look for areas of humility. I do, I do not want to be humbled by God. The Bible says, humble yourself. Matthew 3.19, for, for all the perfectionists out there who think you got to get it right and think it's your plan and what God told you is the only way God's going to move. No, 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 no. And do not assume, he said some group to a group of Pharisees who, knew, who thought they knew everything. And do not assume that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up 
children for Abraham. God can look at a rock. God said, I can make a rock obedient. I can make a rock worship me. When, when, the, when the Pharisees were complaining that everybody was worshiping Jesus, Jesus said, if they didn't, the rocks will cry out. God doesn't need you to worship. The rocks are letting you worship. He said, if you stop worshiping, creation will worship me. Then in Matthew 9, verse 28 through 29, Jesus was getting ready to heal a couple of people. And he said, when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Not do you think I will. Do you believe that I can? Just simply believing that God can. And this is what I feel is happening to a lot of believers right now. The enemy is putting false prophecies that are our personal desires, and we think they're prophecies. We think that there's something that God is doing, and then when God doesn't do it, it weakens our faith for the thing he is really doing. Some of us are in leadership, and we think that God is going to make us. He's not going to make you great. He's using you as example of his grace. People should look at you and go, how in the world does that person do that? And we go, it's got to be God, because they're an idiot. (laughs) But we want to be smart. We want to be praised. We want to be honored. We want glory. And so if it didn't have anything to do with us, then we don't want it. We don't want it. We, our lives are to put Christ on display for all to see in everything that we do, in everything that we do. And it starts with just this understanding that God is able. This is very important because you are a vessel for God's ability. That's it. That's all that you need to have faith for. You don't need to have faith that you are going to accomplish anything in this life. You don't need a dream. I was seeing something online the other day um, that God wants to give us our dreams. No, And they used the verse, God will give you the desires of your heart. They used that verse. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But you know that word give in Hebrew means to set or exchange. It doesn't mean that he wants to give you what you want. It means he wants to give you what you want. You see the difference? I'm literally giving you the desire. I'm giving you the ability to want the right thing. It's not whatever you want, God wants to give it to you. No, it's I want to literally give you the desires of your heart. That desire you have, I gave to you. And if I gave you the desire, I'm going to do it. I'm the one that gave you the desire, and he gives you the desire without the outcome of the desire so you can learn to trust him, so you can grow, so you can learn obedience. He gives you the desire and not the outcome because in between the desire and the outcome lives faith. That's where your faith grows. Your faith grows in between. That's, That's the life of a Christian, living in between the gap between God can and wondering if he will. That's where you interject your faith. And the faith is meaning that you get to live like you already have received it. So the key to when your faith is active is when you get it, it doesn't increase your joy because Christians get happy when God said it, not when he does it. He said it. I received it. I already got it. So when it comes to me, it ain't for me because all I need is Christ. 
When God finally gives me the thing that I've been believing for, that is for y'all to finally see I have God's favor. I have God's blessing. Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel, you God, your God must be real. Yes. That's what it's for. It's not for me. It's to let everybody see that I serve a God who keeps his word. He keeps his word. So what is this thing if God is able and God gives us desires and he's going to do it? It's right here in this verse. Our number one job is for the power of God to be at work within us. That's all we have to do is let God do something in us. What he's spoken over our lives, that is going to happen. It's done. He said it. It's done. God's, we got to remember God's words create. When God says something, something becomes something. He doesn't give suggestions. When God speaks, things happen. It's one of the reasons why when Jesus went to the, to the cemetery and said, Lazarus, come forth, he, he had to say Lazarus because had he just said, come forth, everybody in the cemetery would have woke up. Everybody in the cemetery would have woke up because Jesus said, come forth, and everybody dead would have... He had to say, I'm just saying Lazarus. That's how powerful his words are. About to be a thriller video up in there. I'm telling you, man. Jesus say something at a cemetery is going down. So we have to understand that our responsibility, once God is able, we don't need to be obsessed worrying about whether or not he will. Just, just, just forget that. Because it gets too confusing. I love what Jamaica was talking about, simple. It gets too confusing. I'm so confused. I don't know if he will. Like, I don't. Are people going to come back to church? I don't know. You going to open the building? I don't know. How, what percentage of people you think are going to come back to church? I don't know. Ten? I don't know. I don't know. And be careful that you don't slip into not caring because it's too painful. Because what we try to do is we try to not care about it anymore because we, we, the pain of waiting is too much. So we lay down dreams that God is not asking us to lay down, and we're saying we're surrendering, but no, you're quitting. That's what God said. Pick it up. Deal with the pain of not having it. Don't put it down. I'm just surrendering. No, you're not. You're giving up because it's too hard to carry a dream that God's not doing. It's too hard to carry a desire that God's not doing. So then you say, I lay it down. We all have people all the time. We worship leading, doing stuff. I'm just laying this down. Starting business, I'm laying down my business. No, you're not laying down. You quit. It's too painful to see that profit and loss sheet, and there's no money in your bank account. God told me to lay the business down. No, he didn't. God told you, no pain, no gain. Hold it till it hurts. If you got a real dream, you're holding it till it hurts. Holding it till it hurts. And the pain is not an indicator that is close. That's what we think. I'm in so much pain, that means it's close. Pain is not an indicator that the promise is close. Peace is an indicator that the promise is close. God doesn't give it to you when you're in pain. God gives it to you when you're in peace. It is what it is, Lord. Whatever your will is, I'm good. I just know that you can. And if you don't do it, fine, I'm good. I have Jesus. I have peace. 
All we got to do is just, all we got to do. It's hard. <laughs> my whole life is just self-reflection and dealing with my junk so God can do something awesome. And so there's just a couple things I want you to understand, that your faith right now is attached to not if God will. Will God get me out of this? I don't know. And it's not a really encouraging sermon, but I, the old Julian would be like, God's going to give you breakthrough. Like, I, can preach, I can tell you how to preach right now, by the way. Anytime you don't know what to say, just talk about breakthrough, everybody cheers. <laughs> so everybody wants a breakthrough. Everybody wants a breakthrough, but nobody wants to break through. When we talk about breakthrough, we think of walls of Jericho. We don't think about you running through the wall, busting your lip open, jacked up, <laughs> knees all skinned up, arm in a sling. Remember, Jacob held on to an angel until he got what God had for him, but he came away limping. Came away limping. Sometimes God's doing something in your life, not because you're leaping, but because you're limping. Because it hurts. Hold it till it hurts. I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to tell somebody, hold it till it hurts. Don't put it down. Don't put it down. When I work out, man, there's these moments where I want to put the weight down because it hurts. And they say, that's when, it, that's, when it, that's when you need to hold on to it. That's when it works. When it's working, it's, it's hurting because it's working. It's working. So we just have to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit. Because God is able to do more than we can ask, imagine, or think. So here's the thing. This is why we want to surrender our whole lives to Jesus so we're thinking things that God wants to do more than what we think. God wants to do more than you can ask, imagine, or think. So we're, we're trying to get, allow the Holy Spirit to transform and renew our minds so we think things that are in line with what God is thinking. And we're getting our souls, all the sin, all the junk, because our bodies are vessels, temples of the Holy Spirit. Remember it said that God is able to do more than you can ask, imagine, or think, but it's according to what you're allowing God to do within you. So every time God does something within you, he's getting ready to do something around you. And we want God to do something around us so what's happening around us can do something in us. God, if you give me this, I'll feel awesome. Like you, if you do this, then I will. No, it, it, it is in, internally what God is doing. It's so important. So I'm going to give you three things that I think. Um, and Paul starts this whole letter. Um, a lot of times we don't allow pastors to tell us the truth because we want to be spiritually entertained. We, want, um, we, we are um, shopping for pastors like we shop for cars. When God called me to be your pastor if you're a part of this church. And God called you to be in this church. And together, we get together what God has for us together. And I honestly believe that these are a couple of things that I have seen in our church, I've seen on our leadership, and I've seen everywhere in the body of Christ that people need to deal with to take hold of all the things they're believing God for. Because he says, I can actually do more. And sometimes God is not giving you what you want because he wants to give you more than what you want. And you're not ready for the more. We tend to ask God what we think we're ready for. But God's saying, no, I want to give you more than that. And so these are three areas that I feel like we strongly need to address. And I'm going to read you this passage of scripture. Uh, oh, I didn't, give, I didn't type in the, um, it's in 2 Corinthians somewhere. They'll find it. Uh, <laughs> they'll fix it in post, but I didn't type in where it was from. I think it's 2 Corinthians 16 or something. But it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit 
dwells in your midst. If anyone, it's 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. They already did it. It's amazing. (laughs) If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Wait, what? The church doesn't need to rise up? It says we're the temple, the people. We don't need to rise up. We don't need to fight. We need to fight for our freedom and fight for our rights, religious freedom. No, no, no. It says you better not mess with my church. If anyone destroys my church, God will destroy that person. So people say people are attacking the church and they're destroying the church. It says if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Doesn't it feel like the church was destroyed last year? Well, why didn't God do? Oh, that must not have been church. That must not have been real church because God didn't do anything to stop us from closing. So it must not have been real church. Must not have been real discipleship. Must not have been real reliance on the Holy Spirit. Must not have been real faith. Must not have been real hope because it says right here that if anyone tries to do anything to my temple, I'm shutting them down. We got shut down, not them. It must not have been church. So then our job is to find out what is really church, because if it's really church, God is going to do more than you can ask, imagine, or think. Oh, my God. More than you can ask, imagine, or think. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. That's why there's so much disunity in the church because the enemy knows that if y'all get together, boy, if we get, we just get the people in this room, get on the same page, it's over. So the enemy in tough seasons wants you to individualize your faith and not realize you're supposed to be part of a corporate community. It's so important. So we got to deal with three areas. We are God's temple, and God is not messing around with his temple. And I honestly believe that these are three areas that I've seen. You might feel like, and and feel free not to just listen to the the areas that I'm giving you. Maybe God will highlight some others, but these are three big ones. If we say that we are God's temple, and we're believing that God through us are going to do more than we can ask, imagine, or think, and God's able to do that according to what God's doing in us, our temples, we have to deal with temple talk. Temple talk. You say things in your car that you wouldn't say in church. Like, we don't cuss in church. Well, most people don't. Well, we cuss in the car. And I'm not, this is not here to judge on cursing. I'm not here to judge you for your language. I'm here to suggest, why do you not curse in church, the building, but you curse in your body, the temple? Which one is sacred? So, so I'm trying to tear down the sacredness of the building. You have the sacredness of your body, not the sacredness of the building. What you wouldn't do in the building, don't do in the body. That's all we're saying. If you're really just move the building being sacred and put it on your body. And if you wouldn't say something crazy to someone in the church building, don't say something crazy to the mirror because you're saying something crazy in church. We get mad when pastors say something that we would say to ourselves. I don't have any. Do you hear what I'm saying? You got to deal with your temple talk. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. 
Not acceptable in the building, acceptable in the body. God is here. He's here. This is so important. And I, and I use this verse because it's the meditations of your heart that are causing the words in your mouth. What you think about is what you talk about. What you think about is what you talk about. And by the way, it's not God's job to make sure your worst fears don't happen. This is so important. When you meditate on all you're afraid of and hope that God stops it, that's, he doesn't respond to fear. He doesn't listen to fear. I, he says to fear, I haven't given you that spirit. Like, I don't listen to spirits of fear. Even if spirits of fear are saying the same thing as spirits of truth, I don't listen to the, that source. So what you say has to come out of your faith, not out of your fear. God does not respond to that. He doesn't. Meditations of your heart have to be pleasing to the Lord. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God's done something in your life. God's redeemed you. Tell somebody. The Lord has done so much for me. That's what we don't need. We you know, all these memes and stuff. The church can't stay silent, not on what's going on in the government, but what's going on in my spirit. That's what you need to speak up about. If God hasn't redeemed anything in your life, then stay quiet. But it doesn't say let the saved. It says let the redeemed, the people who are getting back what the enemy tried to take, say something about it. We need to speak up about that. We need to speak up about redemption. I want redeemed people, not Christians, not church people, redeemed people. Because when a redeemed person starts saying something, people start listening. We got to deal with the temple talk. You know what else we got to deal with? The temple trash. If you came to church on a Sunday and there was trash everywhere, wouldn't it be dishonoring? Don't let the enemy drop off his trash in your soul and then just start believing God. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. They pick up trash at our house once a week. You should at least be on that schedule. We dealing with the same trash for 10 years? No change. They pick up trash in the city. Once a week. You got to deal with the trash. And don't talk. Grace, watch grace. Grace helps you deal with the trash. Grace does not let you keep your trash. Titus 2 verse 11 through 14 says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Isn't that beautiful? Grace offers salvation. But watch what else it does. It teaches us to say no. God, oh my God, God says no to you so to teach you how to say no. Matter of fact, Jamaica first talked about us being children of God and the first word children learn is no. You need to learn to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control and grace teaches you to live upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace teaches you to live right. Here's what we have to understand, because I really believe this unprecedented faith series is, is, is so important, because what I just said to you is temple teaching. We need temple talk to get better. We need the temple trash to be taken out. Our bodies are temple, and we need healthy temple teaching. We need to learn the right things to do. And there's grace and there's love, but we need to learn. 
we need to learn. And I really believe if we address these three things and you empower myself and the people who are called to preach God's word and you empower us not to give you watered down messages that make you feel good, but words from the Lord that transform you into God's image, then God truly can do anything more than you can ask, imagine, or think. And I really believe we go on this journey together. God is going to do something special. Many times we talk about Jesus, but we don't talk about the church. And I understand people have been hurt by the church, but the church has a significant role in you getting what God has for you. Here's why. The cross started, began the transfer of sin and death from you to Jesus. Literally, Jesus bore your sins. And his resurrection started the transfer of God's character to you. The church was the transfer of God's power. God's divine ability to do it. So without what you're learning in the church, you'll have the dream, but you won't have the ability. And the enemy wants to stop you at just salvation. Your sin has been removed. But the resurrection is when you get God's character. It says that because of Jesus lived a resurrected life, we can live a resurrected life, a life impacted by transformation because we've received salvation. Salvation should manifest character in your life. And when that happens, the church comes together and God chooses to make the church a manifestation of his divine ability. Now together, we can do impossible things that nobody could do. And that church, God says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That church, God will strike down anybody who comes against it. That church. So we had such a rough 2020 because we weren't, maybe we weren't committed to be that church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church, so we better make sure we're actually having church. Growing, learning, dealing with our temples so God can do anything. I want to encourage you that he really is able. He really is. He really will do it, but it's according to the power that is at work in us. I'm going to pray for you, and I really feel that um, someone has a, a, a dream that's given them pain in this season, and I just want you to process and think something. Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I changing? Because it is the transformation that is the evidence that something is coming. Not, a, not an email or a meeting that went well. It's what God is doing in me is evidence that God is getting ready to do something for me. And if we don't use what God is doing in our hearts and our souls as evidence of what God is going to do around us, then the enemy can dangle things in front of us and make us pursue what God said, but doing it the devil's way. Because when you do what God said the devil's way, you waste away internally. There's this thing that I believe God has given you and I that allows us to know that we're not in God's perfect will. And and it brings a sense of spiritual pain to our lives. And so sometimes God's perfect will is painful. Sometimes God's perfect will isn't super fun, if I'm being honest. But, But he always comes through. He always does what he said he will do. And so when I just pray for you right now, just release maybe all of your preconceived notions that in God to be good, he has to give me what I want. 
and say, no, God, you're good. You're doing something on the inside of me and what's happening around me will come. So Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are able. God, we, we apologize and we repent for the times we withheld our worship until we figured out you were willing or that you would. And we give you our worship because you're able. And we allow you to mature us in our faith, simply knowing that if God can, I don't need to worry about if he will. I just need to allow the Holy Spirit to change my talk, change my trash, and teach me. So, Father, we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.